Section 2 of Dad's Trip to Brisbane. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Son of the Exiles. Dad's Trip to Brisbane by Steel Rudd. Section 2. The wheat was in, and Dad decided to take a trip to Brisbane. For seven or eight years he'd been thinking of that trip, but something or other always came to prevent his going. According to Dad himself, the farm would suffer if he went away for a month. There would be no one to look after it, no one to manage. According to us, there would be no one to look on while the cows were being milked, no one to stand in the paddock all day while the hay was being raked and carted and stacked. No one to fuss around and be a nuisance to Dave while he sold a draft of fats to a butcher or drove a profitable deal with the pig buyers. No one to yell boisterously for the whereabouts of any of us when we chanced to be concealed from view for a moment or two by a dray or a haystack or something. No one to annoy the men who worked hardest and to incite them to strike and seek employment elsewhere. No one to molest Regan's bull when it came round our way. No one to take the gun down when little Billy Berrup came to see Sarah. No one to sool the dogs onto travelling stock and challenge the big dusty drovers to get down and be obliterated. And no one to aggravate Dave and Joe to blasphemy and rebellion. Yes, we would miss Dad when he went away. Still, we encouraged him to go. We were not selfish. We said it would be a pleasant change to him. We said nothing of the pleasure it would be to ourselves. We thought only of Dad. Some families never think of their father at all. We never forgot Dad for a day. He was never out of our minds. Mother was to accompany Dad to the city, and Bill, with the buggy, was waiting at the door to take them to the train. We admired the tall hat that Sarah had bought Dad for a Christmas present. Don't forget now, Dad adjured Dave for the hundredth time, to start chaff cutting tomorrow, and look out the milk don't be late at the factory, and see Regan sends that collar back today, and if that fellow comes for pigs, have them all ready for him, and mind if Thompson. Sarah exchanged kisses with Mother, and hoped she would have a good time, and sent her love to Nora. Wants the lend of the filly, he can't get her. Damn it, way horse! The animal had switched its tail just when Dad placed his foot on the buggy step. Don't forget now to... Won't you put your hat straight, Dad? From Sarah. To start chaff-cutting first thing. Way, will ya? And see the men ain't loafing about all day. It'll be all right, Dave answered. Then Bill stirred the horse up and the buggy started. So long, Dave said. Sarah waved her hand. Take care of yourselves, Joe called out. Remember me to Henry Norman and watch you don't get run in. Dad turned his head and shouted back. Don't leave the cows too long on the loose, son. Bust the cows, cheerfully from Joe. Don't leave the cows too long on the loose, son. Dad yelled again. All right. Dave shouted between his hands, loud enough to be heard in Parliament. All right, 
from Joe, louder even than Dave. Poor Dad, Sarah mused. The cows are a worry to him. A few turns of the wheels, and the buggy stopped. Dave wondered. Changed his mind, said Joe. Sarah laughed. And you better put em out now, Dad shouted. For heaven's sake, get em out, Joe advised, or he won't go. Yes, yes, Dave bawled and packed Tom off to turn the brutes out. Then the buggy disappeared round the corner, and Dave and Joe and Sarah and the rest of us marched inside and looked round. All of us rejoiced. We had never had so much freedom at home before, and we felt would never have again. Joe pulled on an old faded smoking cap of Dad's that lay on the parlour table, and declared himself king. In a voice like Dad's, he ordered Bill to clear out to the devil and do some work. Bill disobeyed. Joe took him by the neck. Bill resisted, and a brilliant engagement took place on the new carpet. They tumbled and rolled about like bullocks, broke the legs off two chairs, and shook down from the wall an enlarged picture of Dad's father that had cost a lot of money. Sarah flew into a passion, said she wouldn't stay another hour in the house if that was the way they were going to carry on. And when the combatants fell under the table and rose with it on their backs and tilted it with a loud crash against the piano, she appealed distractedly to Dave. Steady there now, you fellas, Dave said. Steady. It's only the pedigree, Joe answered, puffing hard and restoring Grandfather to the shattered frame. Sarah was irate, but Tom's voice, announcing the approach of Billy Berrup, calmed and conciliated her. He's not, she said, eagerly turning to the door. Then, changing colour, she cast an eye over her attire and fled to doll herself up. A new idea occurred to Joe. See me startle Berrup, he said, and pulling the smoker on again, he slipped away. Robing himself in a familiar old rag of Dad's, he took down the gun and hobbled forth to welcome Berrup, who, at the moment, was bending from his horse to open the gate. To hell out of this, Joe roared at a range of sixty yards. Berrup looked up and saw the gun. He didn't wait for anything more. He didn't wait to open the gate again either. He spurred his horse and galloped down the headland. Joe fired the weapon off and yelled as Dad several times had yelled before. Barrett made a wide circuit through the stubble, doubled back on Joe, reached the gate at racing speed, and while we wildly rejoiced from the veranda, disappeared down the lane and was lost in dust. You're nothing but an ass, Sarah said when Joe returned. You're a fool. I'll let Dad know your carrying's on when he comes back. Then we went cheerfully to work. End of section two. Recording by Son of the Exiles.